This is Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. Wait, What? is your political recap. We'll tell you who's making news and what it means to liberals and progressives everywhere. And we'll interview the newsmakers that make it happen. So from the nation's capital, here's reporter Jimmy Zuma. And from the great state of Arizona, here's Senator Victoria Steele. And welcome back to another episode of Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. I'm your host or your co-host, um, Senator Victoria Steele from Tucson, Arizona. And I'm Jimmy Zuma in Washington, D.C. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Jimmy. So today I picked the topic because this is something that has been really bugging me and a lot of people for a long time. Um, and that is this terrifying link, this, this nexus between domestic violence and mass shooters. And this link is, is deadly. And it is already, there, there was a study, Jimmy, I don't know if you knew this, but there was a study done um, on the connection between mass shootings and domestic violence. There was a study of 153 mass shootings between 2009 and 2015. More than half of the shooters killed a current or former spouse or intimate partner or family member. And in at least 21 incidents, the shooter had a prior domestic violence charge. This is, this is not a coincidence. I'm going to say that mass shootings is, are directly related to misogyny, hatred of women. I'm just going to go right out there and say that. This, this is a key factor. Hatred of women is a key factor in this epidemic of gun violence. And this has been a keen topic for me, too, over the years. And every time there's been a large mass shooting, I've done the homework and I've gone back to look for, is there a domestic violence connection? And in every case that I have found, I have found that there is. Now, I haven't studied every mass shooting. You know, we have a couple a day now, so I haven't studied some smaller ones, but the big ones that make a lot of press, I've looked into it. And even though uh, the, the one that stymied me was the one that happened in Tucson, but on closer examination, I found out that that shooter, um, had beat up his mom a few times, but had never been arrested for it. She had never called the police. But every single one of them seems to have a connection to domestic violence. And it's like the violence chain, you know, it starts small and it gets bigger and bigger. You know, it might start with uh, dogs or cats and then move on to intimate partners, you know, uh, husbands, wives, girlfriends, uh, ex-girlfriends. Um, and then, you know, the next natural evolution of this is that mass shooter scenario. And the, just just the the shootings that happened last weekend in in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio, the the, the Dayton shooter had a history of alleged physical assault and, and misogynistic threats and fascination with sexual violence and and he even had a hit list of people that he wanted to rape and kill. Right. And beyond that, he played in a band that where they did uh, rape and murder songs. They covered their own rape and murder songs that they had written. Um, this, this is something that is deeply rooted in our society. Back in, in, the, in the 2014 shooting in uh, a University of California, Santa Barbara killed seven people, including himself. 
that young man left a video and he ranted and raved about, I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me. I'm, I'm, this is a quote from him. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. And you will finally see that I am in truth, the superior one, the alpha male. That's just really sick. That is totally sick, but it's part of that incel culture that seems to be on the rise. And if you don't know what incel is, I-N-C-E-L, just Google it. These are men who say they're involuntarily celibate, which really means no one would date them. (laughs) They are so um, strange that no woman would ever date them. So they're angry about that. And they call themselves incels and they get together and complain about women and have rape fantasies. And that's exactly what the USC shooter was all about. Um, and that's another variant of it. You know, luckily those are the ones that don't have a girlfriend, but they could. And in, in the case of USC shooter, he targeted women he knew for, I guess, for not being interested in him. And today, the internet is full of, of it's just crawling with this new generation of, of dangerous misogynists, people who hate women. And they, they're coming of age in a culture that gives license to this kind of behavior, to acting out, to being violent, to um, making jokes about it. You know, you, you saw, remember just, just so about two weeks ago, it almost seems like a year ago in terms of the of the Trump idiocy that we see. But when he, when President Trump, oh God, I hate saying those two words together, when Trump <laughs> um, attacked four women of color right. and told them to, you know, it made this racist cry yeah, to go back where they came from and things like that. Um, People, we, we saw that there was a group of, was it Border Patrol agents that had this, this um, social media site that was closed and somebody outed them, basically. Right. But they, they were showing violent sexual acts of, of rape with those women. They, they showed horrible things. And this was being put out and shared among the Border Patrol um, because President Trump gives them license. He brags about it himself. So why would he, why would he speak out against any of this? That's, um, I think it was the deputy chief of the Border Patrol came out. She's a woman and she said, oh, this is terrible. We're going to look into it. And we found out she had participated in the group and was probably well aware of the kind of things that were said there. They're certainly not different than what I heard at the police department I worked at. And um, it's part of a terrible culture that we're really, you know, this is, let me just say, this is the grab them by the pussy culture. Yeah. The people, when Trump said, I can grab them by the pussy, there is a certain group of men who that resonated with and they were cheering and they were, you know, cheering them on and that's how they talk and that's what they believe. That's right. And so let's look at a few facts. I know. Uh, you know, a lot of you, your mind kind of goes numb when you start hearing numbers. But according I don't care to because the, I love facts. <laughs> I, I, I think we have to listen to some facts. Right. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in five women are rape survivors. Um, I would fit into that group. One in three women will experience or have experienced domestic violence in their lives. And every day, 
more than three women are murdered by domestic partners. We have a gun violence epidemic in this country. A hundred people a a day are dying from gun violence, but more than three are murdered by their partners. What does this tell us? This this is a, a huge link between violence, domestic violence, hatred of women, and I mean, just, just yesterday, I, I, I saw something, there was some political guy, some, some um, senator or somebody in, in D.C., a Republican, his people, um, his workers or volunteers or campaign staff had a, a cutout of... Um, oh, these are Mitch McConnell staffers. Oh, you're kidding. They these are McConnell, McConnell staffers? staffers? Yeah. They had a I don't cutout. know if they worked on his campaign or in his office, but they, some of them have worked in his office if they don't know. Yeah, they have a, a, a cutout of, uh, Alex, of uh, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez in just this big cardboard cutout. And they were making, like, like they were choking her. Choking her, and, pointing at her crotch. And, and grabbing her. She kisses yeah. on her and just a real, you know, gang rape sort of scenario. They were, they were yeah. miming there. And, and how, so speaking of Mitch McConnell, we've been trying to get him to call a special session. It looks like he's not going to, but today in the newspaper, he says that he is open to something in that regard to, to changing gun laws. Mm-hmm. So all that's true, Victoria. Before we talk about Mitch McConnell, I, I just want to throw another statistic out there, which I just learned and I found shocking. There are over a million women in this country who are survivors of gun-killing gun attempts by their intimate partner, by their lover, by their husband, by their, you know, whoever. A million women are walking around having been shot and survived. So that's, that's one out of every 300 people. I mean, if you go in a stadium, there are 100 people in there who are women who are survivors of being shot in a domestic violence situation, just to put it in perspective. And here, here's another thing to put it in perspective, Jimmy. The deaths from domestic violence incidents with guns are comparable to war zone proportions. Between 2001 and 2012, more than 6,410 women were murdered in this country by an intimate partner using a gun. That's more than the number of U.S. troops killed in action during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. We're killing our own women faster than we're killing enemies at war. Of all the countries that we compete with, we're responsible for 95% of all the murders in those countries. So you take every modern industrialized country in the world and put them together in a pile, and we are responsible for 95% of the women who are killed by domestic violence. And I used to be a domestic violence counselor. I did this for years. I work with a lot of trauma survivors, and, um, and I myself am a trauma survivor. What we know is the presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation makes it 500% more likely that the woman will die. Just because it's a gun in the house. Yeah, just the presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation. And, you know, I had women that would tell me that they would, um, their their partner, their boyfriend would, would sit down at the table and just lay the gun right in the middle of the table between them and then have a conversation about anything. 
And no matter what it was, that was a clear signal. Right. I could the conversation kill you. was actually about the gun. Well, no matter right. what they were talking about, the conversation was about the presence of that gun in a menacing way. Right. And, and, and this is not about sex. This is not about bad relationships. This is about power and control. And, and when the shooter in a mass shooting um, is used to thinking this way, then, of course, this makes them the ultimate controller because they can, they can inflict fear on an entire generation, an entire nation, and, and they can kill a lot of people. And particularly when we have guns, when we have weapons of war that make it easier for people to get their hand. We've got lousy gun laws, makes it easier for people to get their hands on guns in the first place. And they have guns that can kill more people faster with bigger holes. And this is a big issue about the guns that are available now. They increase the least lethality of mass shooters through their construction, through their, um, you know, the semi-automatic nature of them, but also through the size of the magazines. If a 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 round magazine, um, you know, the, the shooting was stopped in Tucson because the guy had to reload. And when he was reloaded, he was, he was tackled and a grandma that happened to be there grabbed the magazine. My friend, Matt Pat Nash, she's a grandma and she reached over there and put her foot on that gun so that he couldn't get it. And that gave others the chance to get in there. But had he reloaded, it would have been awful. What's what's her name again? It's already awful. Pat Mache. Pat Mache. She, she is my friend. She's part of the group um, Moms Demand Action. I love my moms. I love my moms. Um, they they visit me at the legislature. So when I'm you know when I'm in session, you know, and and they're the ones that have given me the information that the firearm homicide rate for women in the U.S. is nearly 16 times higher than that of other high-income industrialized countries. And it's way high for Native Americans, too, which I know is another interest of yours. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. Incidents of violence. So that brings me back to some of the solutions. What can we be doing? Well, one of the things we want to do is have Mitch McConnell um, call the, the, the Congress back and have a special session and do something to change our gun laws. But he's not doing that. But here's something else that he could do and has been putting it off. And that is reauthorize funding for Violence Against Women Act. VAWA. Do you realize VAWA, Violence Against Women's Act? Do you realize that right now in Indian country, it is okay for a, a, a man, a non-Indian man, a non-Native man to come on to a reservation and rape with impunity because they cannot be tried. They cannot be held accountable. By tribal police. And yeah. they're the only ones who have jurisdiction in that area. Right. But they're legally prohibited from adjudicating crimes committed by non-Native persons. Right, on the reservation. Is that sick or what? Yeah. Now, VAWA, the new, the new reauthorization, they, they, they tweaked it a bit. And one of the things that they did was to make that, and, and that is a piece that apparently some Republicans in the Senate don't want to see happen. They don't want to see that changed. 
Um, they don't want to see firearms be taken away from people who are accused of domestic violence. They don't want that. Well, and that's what I, I always say. These gun rights advocates are basically protecting people from background checks who couldn't pass one. That's what they're doing. In order, and this is in order the gun lobbies exist to sell guns. So in order to sell guns, they are preventing laws from passing that would take guns away from people who shouldn't have them. And what's ironic is, you know, the NRA has um, used fear and huge campaign donations to keep their Republicans in line to protect the, um, <clears throat> the sale and the manufacture of firearms. They have done this. And now, after this shooting, we hear Wayne LaPierre, the head guy at the, at the NRA, wants to buy this mansion so that he can be protected. Um, actually, that was after the Parkland yeah, shooting. $9 million the mansion. A $9 million mansion he's going after. Well, he doesn't want to buy it. He wants the NRA to buy it for him. Because he doesn't feel safe. He God. needs a safer Poor place God. with a golf course and a pool yeah. and, and, you know, numerous bedrooms and bathrooms and, and a mansion, clearly. Not to get too far in the weeds on the NRA. They're weakening now. Uh, their support is declining among shooters and their mm -hmm. dollars have dried up. I think that's because the Russians are no longer giving them money, is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And they are under investigation by the state attorney general in Virginia for the source of the monies, the $55 million they gave to Donald Trump, which, uh, you know, I've sort of worked out in my head what the scheme is that the Russians could have used to money launder through the NRA. But I don't want to get too far off topic of that. Okay. Well, here, here, here is something that, you know, so people will say, okay, we hear you. These are problems, but there's nothing we can do about these problems. Well, that's a load of BS. Right. Because there are a lot of really common sense things that we could do. And the majority of, of people in this country are in favor of these changes. Let's start with a ban on assault weapons. Let's start with criminal back checks on all gun sales, even the ones that happen at gun shows and parking lots. Limiting firearms in public places, including schools and college campuses, especially there. I, I, I will tell you that in this year's Senate session, state Senate, we were able to kill a bill that would have allowed loaded firearms in parked cars on high school and grade school campuses. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we need. More guns will fix it, right? The rest of Arizona is nutty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. We also need to close the boyfriend and the stalker loopholes. Mm -hmm. Here's what the boyfriend loophole is. Nearly half of all intimate partner homicides were committed by a dating partner. And federal law does not prohibit perpetrators who abused current or former dating partners from accessing guns. So if, if you were married to somebody and you were convicted of domestic violence, then that could be a federal law. Um, and, and if you have that, that you have violated that, you cannot get an, well, you're not supposed to be able to get access to an, a firearm. Well, how it works is they, they prevent you supposedly from buying a firearm, although many states don't, the check. they would need 
states don't forward the information about conviction that they would need to to prevent you from buying a gun is one problem with that. Uh, the other problem with that is you can still keep all the guns you have. Right. If you're convicted of domestic violence and you have five, 10, 20 guns, you just get to keep them. They're yours. But if you were dating somebody and this person has abused his, his former girlfriend or his other girlfriend or, you know, and, and there is nothing that prevents him from being able to get a gun. Right. That's the boyfriend loophole. Right. And so many abusers now are, are free to own firearms. It just makes it way too easy for those guns to be used against their, their, their girlfriend, their, their girlfriend's kids. This is what happens. So we don't stop people from getting guns that shouldn't have them. We don't fully investigate people who are getting guns we let guns be traded at gun shows as so-called private sales. You know, I once bought a shotgun at a gun show and the guy who sold it to me, I was reluctant to pay the price he wanted. He saw my reluctance. He said, how about if I just make it a private sale? Then you don't have to do any paperwork. This was a gun store. Wow. You know, that's how it works. And we haven't reduced the lethality of the guns that people can buy and kill with. So it's all right. of those, all of those things together. Now, there's some good legislation sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk right now that was passed by the House about background checks That's right. and about domestic violence convictions. VAWA is sitting there. He has sat on that stuff for since the beginning of uh, just after the two, 2016 election when they got routed um, or the 2018 election when they got routed. Um, and he's just sitting on it, sitting on it, you know, kind of like, you know, being old turtle Mitch, doing nothing. Yeah. Got his head got his head inside his shell and he's not doing anything. Now, both he and Donald Trump have said they're going to do something about this, but don't hold your breath. Right. If you read between the lines, they're working on a scheme to do something about background checks for people who have been diagnosed with mental illness. That's all they're really talking about. They're really trying to gin up this idea that there's mentally ill people who commit these crimes. Um, and, there's no, and, and that, that just infuriates me because I'm a counselor, I've, I've worked with people who have mental illness, and that adds to the stigma of people who have a mental illness. And the majority, the vast majority of people with mental illness are not violent. Yeah, and 98 or 99%, depending not, on who you talk to. It is not about mental illness when a person takes a gun and goes into a Walmart and blows people away with brown skin. That's about racism. And the reason that was able to happen is because we have lousy gun laws that allow easy, easy access to weapons of war. Right. And it's about rage. It's about un being unable to control your own emotions, being unable to wind yourself down after you wind yourself up. These people go into a rage. It's almost like a fugue state. Um, and they carry out this killing as if they were not involved in it. And then, you know, they, they just commit this killing because they don't, you know, in some ways you could say this is a form of mental illness, but this is not mainstream mental illness. Ma mainstream mental yeah. illness, the only danger, you know, the people with mental illness are mostly just hard on themselves. They are not a danger to anybody else. This is a kind of maybe a subset, but it's like a, it's, it's not even really a mental illness. It's just, uncontrolled anger. Here's another um, factor or another linking factor in 
mass shootings recently, do they all seem to be Trump supporters? I'm not saying that all Trump supporters are mass shooters, but I am starting to think that the majority of the Trump or the, the majority of the mass shooters now are Trump supporters. They really seem to feel that they're carrying out his his orders. Right. And they say so. They say I was doing what the president wanted me to do, or I was doing what he did, or mm -hmm. I was helping him out, um, or I was inspired by you know, the 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 guy that sent all the bombs around, I was inspired by Trump. But they also have a strong connection to white supremacy and, and white nationalism. And I think that that's very much the intersection they have with Trump too. I mean, he's basically a protector and enabler and supporter of white nationalists all around the country. He's begun to say more and more racist things himself. And I, I you know, he believes them. It's clear that he, yeah, them, you know, he does. This is this is a lifelong thing for him. This is his family's thing. This is this is the way that they are. And this can never become our new normal. Now I I'm going to go out on a limb here and I I really believe that we are at a tipping point. Right. We're either going to get much worse, probably pretty fast, or we're going to change it. And I want people to understand that the majority of humans do not tolerate this. We do not want this. We have to come together. We have to figure out some way that's going to make our world safer. And when we have so many more incidences of domestic violence, of, of gun violence, deaths, and mass shootings. This happens here more than it happens anywhere else. So this problem, I believe, has a political and a policy solution. And we have to hire, we have to elect the people that will make those decisions for us and the people that are in office right now, a lot of them are making the wrong decisions. They're not helping us. They are not only doing nothing to stop. And I will tell you as a member of the state legislature in Arizona, they are not doing anything to stop it. Not only that, but to the contrary, they do everything in their power to loosen our gun laws. They cozy up to the gun manufacturers, the gun lobbyists to put more guns in the hands of more people in more places, including schools. That has to stop and we can stop them. But I, I really don't believe that anything of, of consequence is going to happen until after this election. So use this election to figure out what you want to do about gun violence because it's our decision. Yeah, and I, I just want to you know bring that back to what's what's happening in the in the legislature now. There have been at least a half a dozen Republican uh, members of Congress who have changed their opinion on gun um, safety, but not until after one of their family was either menaced or shot or killed with a gun. And nothing brings it home like having it happen to you. So these guys have definitely changed their opinion, and that changes the ratio a little bit. Uh, we've had very successful rise of, of sensible gun law lobby, a sensible gun law lobby, every town and Gifford and some of the other groups, moms, moms demand action. Um, and they're and and Gabby Gifford's group that it um, was called Americans for Responsible yeah, Solutions. Now they're they're all under the umbrella of the Giffords group. So she mm -hmm. has a couple of packs and she's doing lots of stuff. <laughs> she's really banging. She's so, so good. Basically what's happened is they are converting gun 
safety groups are converting to uh, being a political force in terms of donations and constituencies that like there's never been before. Now in the past, Democrats have been afraid of things like an assault weapons ban because they were afraid they couldn't get reelected if they ran on it. And Republicans have beat people to death with this idea that unless we give guns to every, you know, violent, nasty person in the world, we're not honoring people's rights. Neither one of those are true. Well, when it, when it comes to hatred of women, when it comes to racism, misogyny, and, and gun violence, it's, it's all tied in together. Right. And it, it's an ugly soup. And, and we can throw it out. And the tragic sacrifice of these women is that they are giving us an indication of who the next mass shooter is going to be. Now, I'm convinced if we got rid of guns, gun ownership by wife beaters and bar brawlers and that, you know, that associated constituency, uh, that we would get rid of 80% of the mass shootings because people don't start out a mass shooter. They end up a mass shooter and they end up that after doing the things we've been talking about today. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I want to thank everybody for for listening to us and Wait, but let's just summarize for a second. We want to yes. prevent people who are, shouldn't have guns from getting guns. When people are convicted of any sort of crime of violence, we want their guns removed, the guns that they currently own, and we want to reduce the lethality of the guns that people can buy so they can't kill as many people between reloads because reloads save lives. That's right. That's right. Well, Jimmy, thank you for for agreeing to delve into this topic today. This this is really a, a, a an important one. In fact, I think it's a critical one, and we have to have this conversation. Um, I don't hear a lot of it being um, the news on mass shootings be being linked to misogyny being linked to domestic violence perpetrators. But I think that that is becoming more and more clear and we need to raise our voices so that that part is heard as well, because we we can't just make changes in the laws. We have to make changes in our culture and how we treat women is, is it says so much about us. So get out there and give some money, join a group, call your legislator, we can solve this problem and we can solve it this year. It's up to you. Yes. And, and we can also solve it at the ballot box. Which we will. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode of Wait What? Politics with Zuma and Steele. And I am Victoria Steele and saying goodbye from Tucson, Arizona. Bye, Victoria. Bye, Jimmy. Well, that's it for today's show. If you find yourself saying, wait, what? Don't worry, we'll be back next week. Subscribe to Wait, What? Politics with Zuma and Steel on your favorite podcast app or visit waitwhat.media and try out our quick takes. So here's the thing, commentary from Victoria Steele and the ZOP topical explainers from Jimmy Zuma. I'm Monica Price. Keep listening for some outtakes. I'm going to try and edit this on the road. We're going out of town um, tomorrow morning. Okay. Have fun. For three days. But I'm going to try and edit this on the road and get it posted from our hotel room. I can't promise All I'm right. going to do that because, you know, it's a cocktail 
edit session, cocktail edit session. I, what am I going to do? So, oh maybe, my God, <laughs> Tuesday before this goes up, but 